1: Hello. Welcome to the first of two special consumer electronics show recaps for the Growth Insights podcast. I'm Paul Gagnon, Consumer Technology Industry Advisor at NPD, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Mike Crosby, our retail IT and B2B technology industry analyst. Combined, we've been covering the consumer technology industry for 50 years. This is a passion play people uh in recent episodes of the growth insights podcast available at iriworldwide.com or wherever you find your podcasts we've spoken with joan driggs about the intersectionality of technology and consumer trends We've also provided some highlights from my recent CES presentation with my colleague Ben Arnold about seven ways the consumer electronics consumer has changed. On this episode, we'll cover highlights from the show looking mainly at display and IT technologies, some new gadgets, enhanced capabilities, and what this means for the consumer experience. Mike, are you ready?
2: I'm ready, Paul. Thanks.
1: All right. So, Mike, you know, we just we're all back from CES and, you know, it was great to be back, see tons of colleagues, former uh, coworkers, customers, clients. It was it was wonderful to be back in person, and actually see these people. Maybe you can share with me a few kind of highlights from CES for you, just big picture wise.
2: Yeah, I think uh, similar commentary, Paul. I think it was great to be back. It was great to see people face to face, certainly coming off of the, the last couple of years. Um, definitely saw increased participation. And I think there was generally, as you'd said, a higher level of excitement to kind of get back reengaged. I think the other thing that I saw some of, and I think I'm anticipating more is we're going to see more innovation. Uh, returning back to, I think, some of the announcements by a lot of the the major OEMs. I think during the last couple of years, it was so hyper-focused around operational efficiency and just getting product to market. I think now you're starting to see as we're climbing out of this that uh, you're going to see that innovation come back. So it was a, again, it was a great event, great show. Again, uh, love seeing all the new technology and looking forward to talking about it more.
1: Yeah, no, innovation was definitely one of the keywords and, you know, not not just, you know, new cool gadgets that we always see at CES. But, you know, for the for the most part, I think from the traditional CE products, there weren't a lot of big new hardware announcements. I think a lot of, you know, generally around services and connectivity and kind of, you know, bridging all these products together was interesting. I, I really enjoyed the new West Hall Uh, that opened up, um, for the first time for CES and all the automotive products, um, that were there, which, you know, it's been a long time coming, but CES is turning more and more into a major auto show. And that was clearly on display this year. Lots of interesting things around, you know, connectivity in the car, bridging content and services also thought it was pretty cool to see some of the uh, sustainability efforts, always um, an important topic at CES, but just about every single booth you went into at the show this year had some kind of showcase that was maybe even closer to the front of the booth, um, showcasing kind of sustainability efforts. So that was pretty cool to see. So Mike, you and I are TV and IT guys. Right. And so I think for this podcast, we'll learn more about, you know, some of the emerging categories and home products um, on the next podcast with with Ben and Joe. Um, but but TVs are always an important product at CES, but so too our IT products. So why don't you kick us off with what you saw on the IT side that I think, uh, you know, is worth sharing with our listeners?
2: Yeah, I think just at a high level and just boiling it down to some major things, I think this was a year for a few things. One, uh, as I'd said, we're seeing innovation come back. So all the way from the CPU manufacturers and looking at new and emerging technology, bringing back performance, but also to your point, there was a lot of focus on power management. I think as you're getting more powerful devices The expectation is they have to become much more efficient at cooling and overall power management. So we saw new launches that line up nicely, not only by the by the CPU manufacturers, by the chip guys, but also we saw a lot of the OEMs on the notebook side, again, mirror a lot of those launches uh, similar. We also saw a lot around monitors and displays and think bigger, think more powerful, think faster refresh. And even when you skew it even more to gaming, even larger, Uh, so I think those days of, uh, of kind of, you know, managing within some parameters have certainly shifted and changed and think more buffed up, more robust, more bigger, faster and needing more power, needing more cooling, all those things. And I saw that not only on displays, but also on the gaming notebooks specifically, you're going to see a slew of 18 inch and you're going to see where they're having to accommodate. Um not only the faster GPUs that are going into these notebooks as well, but also, again, with with bigger cooling capacity, better battery management, et cetera. And I think it's actually kind of a shift. And I, what I'm seeing is where notebook traditionally we would talk about mobility and being mobile. And I think now it's really more about is it just portable? So it may not be going where you're going to be traveling and moving and doing all types of, of, of mobility type activity, it's really the difference between having a desktop or between having a more portable kind of this buffed up notebook. Um, you aren't necessarily going to travel with it, but I think you may be able to move it and take it places and participate in other areas where it's going to find that in between. And I think that really gives the OEMs the ability, I think, to really boost the horsepower and boost the capability. You're going to see a lot of OLED displays too on notebooks, specifically on gaming and others. So. Again, think, think up and to the right. You're going to see that kind of emerging, kind of tougher um, technology. The other or last thing that I want to talk about was like, if you guys recall GPUs specifically in and around desktops, especially during the pandemic, we saw a lot of the supply really constrained. We saw a lot of arbitrage going on in the market. We saw pricing just skyrocket. And the good news is, since we saw some of the changes and what was going on within crypto mining really alleviated a lot of that speculative type of of pricing and buying that was going on and we've seen it normalize you also have now seen intel enter the market with positioning a little bit more around the value end of the equation so gpus are going to be interesting you've got great technology that's out there and new product launches but again i think a lot of that was based on kind of that same trajectory that it was on from an asp and i think look for gpus again as we're predicting as well in our forecast to kind of normalize from an ASP standpoint as availability comes up and there's still a significant amount of even last generation cards available that I think will also maybe slow the adoption of the newer more expensive product at least short term until the supply uh, gets depleted but those are like just a few like three or four of the key things that I saw but uh, certainly more um, and again I'm looking for this year and beyond to really see some acceleration around uh, innovation, as we talked earlier, uh, because I think there there was that lull, and I think now we're going to get back on that, especially as the economy begins to kind of um, reset a little bit, but then ultimately climb out as we head into you know late twenty three into twenty four and into twenty five. Expectations are going to be we're going to be doing very well.
1: Yeah, I know one of the things that we were talking about at the show. Uh, During some of our presentations were, you know, companies need to start thinking about how to get ready for that next uptick in demand related to replacing all those devices that people purchased in 2020 and 21, especially uh, notebook PCs, IT-related categories, um, and things like TVs and and so forth. Um, You know, one question for you then might be, uh, you mentioned how You know, monitors are getting much bigger and I thought that was some of the coolest stuff to see these big 40 inch, 50 inch even ultra wide monitors. Do you think that the multi monitor setup might go away and we might instead see people who had traditionally used, you know, two monitors like I'm looking at right now stacked side by side and instead just go to one big ultra wide
2: It's an interesting uh, thought, because to your point, we kind of and users kind of constructed a multi monitor kind of configuration out of necessity to aid in productivity and other things. But if you have now the real estate on a single device or a single component that ultimately could support those things, I think it's going to be that that price value comparison. And if we start to see those. Those things align, I absolutely think that would be the case. Uh, we're also seeing more integration even on the B2B side. We're integrated now cameras, integrated hubs now within some of these. So you're also seeing some, some aggregation of some of these multiple technologies in these master components that would be these displays that ultimately can house, you know, uh, a ton of capability, but also a lot of integration and consolidation into a single, you know, kind of a component, but it's an interesting thought. And again, when I saw the 56, it's, uh, yeah, it's mind blowing, the curved 56 inch. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you have to have a desk big enough to, to satisfy these now, I think is the real question.
1: Um, and and you, I, I was also amazed by those really big uh, gaming notebooks that you reference, like the 18 inch models, do you think people might start drifting towards those products, especially now you can get, like, um, you know, GTX 4090, (laughs) I think, in in a couple of those models, um, instead of a gaming desktop?
2: I think it's going to be the question, and I think it's going to fall uh, fall into just uh, segmenting the market. I think there's always going to be those early adopters first to market where they're going to want the leading technology, and some of those with the 4000 technology now, it's it's a higher requirement for improved cooling and power and other things. And I think in the old thin and light format, they just fundamentally ran out of real estate to be able to satisfy some of that higher end technology. So I, I definitely think there is going to be, uh, maybe it's going to be another subset of the market that's going to be a segment that says, you know, I'm, I'm many, many PC gamers are modders too, right? They love to build and construct and love the flexibility of a desktop where I can upgrade everything from my from my motherboard to my GPU, to my CPU, to memory, to everything that I want to do, cooling fans, multiple, there's all of those capabilities. And I think that was always kind of the rub with mobile gaming was, you know, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to be able to mod that. So that will be the question too, if they're putting in that level of technology in, does it satisfy one segment of the market that says i want first to market i need portability uh where i don't want to just have my desktop set up and it, i can't move it anywhere um i think that'll be interesting and i think the market as with all things as we know paul um you know how consumers respond you know with their wallets and uh, and pocketbooks that say yeah i want it i need it and We'll see where it goes. But, uh, you know, one of those things, kind of an interesting thing last year, we saw a lot of those foldable displays on notebooks, too, that everybody thought, okay, the next year was going to be this, uh, you know, expansion of that kind of a thinking and technology. And uh, it turned out to be kind of uh, not something that people wanted to get behind and get broader with, that it was yeah, something some that kind of isolated.
1: Yeah, some of the interesting foldables that I saw there were just two flat screens with a hinge, right? <laughs> Not necessarily the actual, you know, flexible display or OLED in the, in the middle of it, right?
2: You know, you mentioned earlier on a couple of these too, your sustainability comment. I'm hearing that loud and clear from all the major manufacturers. So if it's components or if it's the, uh, the OEMs that are builders themselves, I'm seeing that as a, it's core now to who they are as a company, as a culture, and it's something that's really uh, been brought you know, forward into light that I think you're gonna see that become more and more of a thing. One comment I would make too, that um, Dell specifically introduced something called Project Luna. That's really more about the ability to disassemble a notebook. And I think that the timing was 30 seconds through pin, pin and peg, the ability to, to disassemble. Uh, and then replace and do some other things. So you've got some guys that are early on that curve a little bit. I don't know if that the application is there for a full produced or you know uh, inline kind of uh, device that's being produced. But I think you've got people thinking that way, and I think that's going to continue to push the market you know towards those types of things where you know can we do more with less? Can we make these last longer? Can we? Can we find a way then to recycle and do some things that are proactive that are that are going to be better not only for the environment but maybe also at the end of the day could it be better for the consumer um, as well? So
1: yeah, good stuff. Um, let me talk a little bit about what I was seeing for the the TV category. I've been more or less you know involved with TVs for 25 years so it's always my favorite thing to look forward to at CES is see you know what new TVs. Uh, manufacturers have have brought in. My biggest takeaway is they didn't bring many (laughs) new TVs. There were some TV brands who introduced um, new models, new lineups. Uh, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, some of the Chinese TV brands brought, you know, pretty complete refreshes of product. Um, But there were also a lot of companies that just, you know, didn't have a lot of new TV hardware products to showcase. But, Lots of platform news at CES, I think. And that, if, if I could take away one big impact thing from CES this year, it's that the connected TV platform battle is heating up. Um, we heard Roku announce that they're going to launch their own first party line of, of TVs this year. And that's an interesting play because there are a lot of other TV brand partners that they sell. Roku TVs with as well right now. So, um, clearly going to be a, an interesting challenge to watch this year and how they roll out their own, you know, first party branded, uh, TV hardware sets alongside their partners. Um, but it's not necessarily something new. Amazon a few years ago launched their own line of Amazon branded TVs, into the marketplace alongside partners from other manufacturers. So not unique, but I think one thing that I heard at CES this year from almost everybody I talked to who was in the TV space was it's about the content, not the hardware. And um, a couple people independently mentioned the razor blade business to me and how the TV market could be, you know, maybe we're starting to see some early signs that the TV market is migrating to more of a razor blade model where, you know, the, the, the goal is to sell TVs, but the long term goal is to keep you as a user, right. To, to, to bring you onto the platform and, you know, sell content, sell services, subscribe, do all the things advertise to you, do all the things that, have a continual revenue stream for the, the manufacturer and the platform company, as opposed to trying to make as much money as possible on that first hardware sale, which in the TV category is extremely difficult to do. Um, so lots of interesting, you know, developments on the platform side of things. Several of the manufacturers have their own platforms um and have been monetizing things like service subscriptions and advertising and that sort of thing for years now so um pretty pretty dynamic situation shaping up this year and for the next few years in the hey, connected tv space
2: hey paul i got a quick question for you on that so yeah. from the standpoint of of subscriptions and again from the standpoint of or the parallel i'm drawing is like the devices as a service do you see any opportunity or any anything that parallels that within TVs where, again, you can even mitigate the cost from an acquisition of the device to ultimately, uh, you know, is it a monthly cost that's associated with that? And that just carries forward in addition to the other things they're going to do mm-hmm. from a subscription standpoint.
1: Possibly, um, you know, I, I think of it more as the the valuable, you know, if, if you're a TV company for years you've been trying to figure out how to get a few digital pennies after the sale of the set. And one of the ways to do that was to sell the hardware and then you know, on your app platform, um, if somebody signs up to Netflix, after they buy your TV through the TV, you get you get some money from that right or you know maybe the you get some money by including um the button on the remote that takes you directly to the app so there's there's not necessarily ongoing recurring service revenue opportunities for the tv brands um more so it's about you know sharing the user data and then you know making marketing advertising a big part of the platform so that's probably more than more like what we're looking at. Um, Other things that were interesting in TVs, still a continued focus on gaming, just like you saw, Mike, on the IT side of thing, lots of focus on cloud gaming still. I know Google Stadia just shut down, um, but uh, Microsoft and NVIDIA have their cloud uh, gaming platforms now and almost all of the major TV brands are showing support for that, um, introducing gaming specific attributes, like very low input lag or very high frame rates. Um, some interesting new kind of concepts related to what we kind of call more along the lines of lifestyle products. So that's, you know, taking the bezel on your TV and changing the finish of it to like a wood or a white or a different color. Um, TVs outside, you know, mobile projectors that serve as a a, a TV, Um, you know, interesting, unique industrial designs. So kind of, you know, efforts to make the TV less of just a giant black hole on the wall and more of an integrated piece of furniture, um, you know, kind of overcoming some of those ugliness (laughs) objections that that people have had. Um, There were some new Technologies on the display side um, that I found interesting, or I shouldn't say new, I should say refinements or improvements of existing display technologies. Lots of new um, OLED concepts. Uh, LG had a couple examples of uh, some new products where they had a wireless OLED TV. So the input output box was actually a separate device that just transmitted wirelessly up to a 4K, 120 hertz signal to the TV, and then you could hang the TV beautifully on the, beautifully on the wall. Still need to plug it in somewhere, but at least the jumble of wires that would normally go to the TV is, is separated. Um, they had a transparent TV uh, example, which I've been seeing demos for many years at different trade shows of examples of this for the commercial space, but this was an example of one that might be suitable for a living room environment. Um And then, you know, micro LED, which is another type of display technology, not to be confused with mini LED, and I know many consumers get confused about these terms in the display space, but, you know, micro LED, uh, which Samsung and LG were showing examples of, seems to be continuing to improve, although, if you have to ask, you can't afford it, Um and then you know the proliferation of of mini led backlights and lcd tvs with quantum dots continues to expand more and more models of those but my one question that i'm left with after looking at all of these beautiful tv displays and advanced technologies and improvements of other premium display technologies is have we reached the peak is it good enough do consumers you know, are consumers looking to get better picture quality than what's available now from a mainstream set? And is the service availability or the operating system or what apps are, you know, available on the set more important? And I think back to things like the MP3 transition from CD. CD was always better quality, but it lost out to the convenience and the portability of MP3. And I wonder whether you know, there might be a a challenge for the industry to think about ways to innovate that aren't necessarily related to these new display technologies. And I just find that fascinating. Of course, I'm always interested in the best of the best. (laughs) I'm I'm a legacy TV guy who's always interested in the best picture quality, but there may be a cohort of consumers out there who are you know maybe not quite so sure and and looking for services instead. So it'll be fascinating to see how you know companies who make TVs kind of try to adapt to these different consumer groups or niches of consumers who you know care about one thing or the other. Any final last comments uh about the show Mike?
2: No, I think uh I think this gives at least a, a pretty good flyby on kind of what we saw what we experienced and and I think 2023, we already know, as we've seen and we've we've shown relative to our forecast that there are likely to be some some continued challenges economically in 2023, but the expectation is there's a lot of goodness coming. And I think as the economy continues to improve, inflation begins to continue to, to get more in line. And as we come up to your point earlier on the refresh uh, of a lot of the devices that went in early in 2019, I think it sets us up for a really some nice... Uh, future growth opportunities really in 24 and 25. So 23 is going to be very interesting. And again, CES I think was a little bit of peek into what we can experience at least from a product standpoint and then uh, certainly more to come. But Yeah. Sounds good.
1: Hey, thanks for chatting with me today, Mike. Always good to get on a call with you. Um, Thanks for joining us today and be sure to tune in for our final CES podcast with, Ben Arnold, NPD's Consumer Technology Industry Analyst, and Joe Derikowski, our Home and Home Improvement uh, Advisor. They'll be recapping some of the latest in smart home technologies and more, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening today. We'll catch you on the next one.
0: Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.